Put down all your clicking pens. Here we go. Your mom writes books! Listen. This is Your Mom Writes Books. (laughs) I'm Caitlin McFarland. And we are not your moms. I am Charlie Holmberg. This is the first episode of this podcast. We have been very casually talking about starting a podcast for a few years, and we're doing it. Yay. Caitlin has been very casually talking about starting a podcast, and I have been ghosting her for a few years, and then suddenly it happened. Suddenly, Charlie was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, oh, I was kind of joking. (laughs) But here (laughs) we are. We're all here now. So I wanted to start this podcast because when I was a new writer, I felt like you could only get so much information off Google. I didn't have a creative writing degree. I hadn't gone to school. I didn't know any writers. I, you know, I, I felt a little bit like I was adrift. And I I wished that I had someone to talk to who was experienced, who could just tell me what to do or how it is and give me some insider insight to the publishing industry. So this is this is what this podcast is. Charlie and I are your friends, and we're here to just chat with you about your questions about publishing. Friends with benefits. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, we're here to chat. And if you have questions, we'll get to a place you can send those. We're both traditionally published authors. We both write fantasy romance. I write I guess what is considered adult fantasy romance, Charlie writes crossover and adult, which, yeah, crossover between young adult and adult. Yes, I do. We wanted to start out by talking kind of through how we got published. That's a question that we get a lot from writers who are just starting out. So I'm going to go first because I'm so much less exciting than Wall Street Journal (laughs) bestseller Charlie and Holmberg. So I'm going to get through mine and you get hers after that. What you don't know is that Caitlin will be telling you useful things, and I will be entertaining myself for the next 500 hours. (laughs) As our friendship goes, yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So when I was starting out, I didn't know any other writers. I actually was a really late bloomer as far as writing goes when when I talked to a lot of other people who are kind of in the same place I am, they seem to have gotten into writing a lot younger. I actually didn't start writing until I was like 25. I had, I was married, I had two children, and I'd always been a really avid reader. I've probably read thousands of books, but I always felt like writing a book was too big. I thought it was something people smarter than me did, and not me. (laughs) It wasn't for me. So I was just kind of going along in life. And then all of a sudden, in 2008, one of my good friends named Diane, because I know she'll like to be name dropped on this podcast, she handed me a book and was like, you have to read this book. It's so good. And the book was Twilight. And I read it. And this is going to sound this is going to sound snotty. And it was, but I was like, hey, I could do this. Little did I know what I was in for. And I have to say, I know a lot of shade is thrown on Twilight, but I have a lot of respect for Stephanie Meyer. The fact that she wrote Amen. a book and yeah, the fact that she can write books, can get them published and they are coherent and people love them. You don't, nobody needs to be throwing shade on Stephanie Meyer. Anyways. Because it's important. 
in the books I was an Edward fan and in the movies I was a Jacob fan. I'm just gonna I feel like I feel like we need to make that clear before you go on. Yes. It's very important. It is very important. I yeah. <laughs> I am trying to think whose fan I was. I don't know. Probably Jacob. I, I guess I would go with Jacob. I have a thing for werewolves. Hairy man. <laughs> yes. I love myself a hairy man. So after reading that, I was like, I think I could do this. So I actually started to attempt to write a novel. And yeah, there were like a couple of times in high school where I was like, I'm going to write a book. And I wrote like a paragraph and then stopped. But I was like, I'm going to do this. So I started to. It turned out to be half a novel. And then I gave up. And then I ended up coming back to an idea I had in college about hot men who turn into dragons and they fall in love with people. And mm. that ended up <laughs> – so I ended up writing oh. – oh, my gosh, Charlie. That's so good. Listen, though, Caitlin's books are one of the few books where I have a crush on more than one person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I also had a crush on more than one person, which is probably why those books worked. So, yeah, I wrote those books. Um, it is now a trilogy called the Dragon Sworn Trilogy that was published with Karina Press in 2015. So those are my books. The first one that I was that was actually my first completed novel was called Soul of Smoke. While I was working on it, I just called it Sworn. And, and I have a book called Smoke and Summons, and I always call it Soul of Smoke on accident <laughs> because of that. I'm always in Charlie's mind. Always. Yes. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> when I first wrote what was called Sworn, it looked nothing like it does now. It was a hot mess. I could tell that it was, it had all these threads and they were tangled and I couldn't tell how to untangle them. And so I just kind of left it. I finished that in 2011. So this is between 2008 and 2011. All this stuff has happened. It was early 2011. I finished that almost exactly 10 years ago. And... Didn't really know what to do. Tried writing some short stories. Was bad at it. Just because just because you write novels does not mean you can write short stories. <laughs> but then I discovered these things called writing conferences where authors and amateur writers and anybody who likes writing will apparently gather in groups and teach each other about writing. And you can just pay and go to them. And lucky for me, there were lots of those in Utah. I mean, relatively speaking. And there so I... Yes. And so I went to one that was called Writing for Charity in 2012. It was my first writing conference. And it was like a who's who of my favorite fantasy authors. Brandon Sanderson was there. Tracy Hickman was there. Gosh, I, I know there Jessica were more. Day George was there. Who? I bet Jessica Day George Oh, yeah. Was Jessica there. Day George she was there. Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd read some of her books. And Brita Spain was there, I believe. And I'd read some of her books. And it was just like my mind was blown. <laughs> And I was kind of starstruck by it. And at that conference, I met my first critique group. A lot of conferences will have the option for you to like submit pages and then an author and another group of amateur writers will read your pages and they'll critique you and they'll help you get better. And I signed up for that. I got to meet Laura Hickman, who was very sweet. And there were three or four other ladies in this group who... I really clicked with. And so we started a writing group and I was with them for, I don't know, a couple, a year, a couple of years. And that just massively improved my writing. And after that point, I entered Pitch Wars. I didn't get chosen in the first round, but I got chosen by a surprise judge who came in and she helped me massively 
improve my prose. And this whole time I'm still working on Sworn. Can I pause right there? Yeah. Just in case people don't know what Pitch Wars is. Oh, yes. So it's um, essentially a Twitter contest that's run by Brenda Drake. And she gets a bunch of authors. It's actually quite huge now. I imagine it wasn't so massive when you did it. No, but there were like 50 or 70 people. Yeah, and there's like 200 yeah. now. Yeah. But they, she gets a bunch of authors to volunteer to be mentors. And they essentially kind of act like mini editors. And people will submit their like queries and manuscripts to them and the mentors will choose somebody to hone their manuscript and get them ready for the agent round which happens on twitter and so people pitch on twitter and agents who have been collected for lack of better word by pitch wars Mm -hmm. will then look at all of the stuff and then pick people that they want to see manuscripts from and a lot of people have been able to find literary agents through this contest yes i however did not (laughs) Right. So I did Pitch Wars in 2013. And so now I'm five years into my my publishing writing journey. At this point, it was more of just a learning how to write journey instead of a publishing journey. Uh, I would say my one piece of advice is don't go into this assuming you know how to write a book just because you've read some books. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Yes. And so I then went to Storymakers, which is another writing conference, which is much larger and lasts for two or three days mm-hmm. here in Utah. And I met even more critique partners and I started working with them and they helped me improve even more. And then in I started querying. So I just started sending out query letters to agents, which we will get into at some point. Some point. Yeah. What querying is, if you don't know, You can Google it it and find out. But yeah, if you want to get published, you have to query agents. You basically pitch them your book and they're like, I'll read this or I won't read this. Anyways, so I was started querying, just sending out cold, like, what do you call it? Cold querying? Cold queries. Yeah. Yeah. So cold queries are when you've never met or talked to the person whatsoever and you're just querying them and hope they like your book as opposed to, I mean, we don't call it warm queries, but I guess that would be (laughs) the opposite. Like if you've actually met the agent at a conference or if you've spoken to them before in some way, then that's no longer a cold query because they know who you are. Yes. And so uh, another word for it is um, being pulled out of the slush pile. (laughs) Slush pile. Yeah. So I was querying agents. And in early 2014, I ended up querying my current agent, who is Marlene Stringer. And she decided she wanted to represent my book, which that again, that'll be a whole episode getting to that whole thing. (laughs) And she ended up selling it pretty quickly. She actually sold a she got me a three book deal with Karina Press. She's fast. Yeah, she's fast. A three book deal with Karina Press by like May. And um, when did you query her? What month? Ma- mm, February? <laughs> February, I think. And if you guys think three months is a long time, it's not. No, <laughs> it's quite that fast. was like lightning. Everything and- in publishing is slow. Yes. Yep. Generally, it takes about two years from the time you sell your book to a publisher, not even from the time you get an agent. Marlene then went through some edits with me. And after the manuscript was cleaned up to her satisfaction, we submitted it to publishers. And I didn't have to wait that long for that either. Within two months or a month or a month or two, I had sold to Karina. And usually that takes that can take up to a year or more to. I mean, the querying can take a long time. And then from the time you get an agent and they submit your manuscript and an editor actually buys your manuscript, it can be a long time. And then once that 
those long times have passed, then it can still be up to two years until you see your book in print. So publishing is a long process. But yeah, that's pretty much my story. Charlie, why don't you tell us about yours? Hello, everybody. Do you want to hear my publishing Stop story? it. Listen, it's COVID. I don't get to talk to that many adults. <laughs> I just, I forget how to do it. Okay, so my publishing story starts a little earlier than Caitlin's because I decided I wanted to be a writer when I was 13 years old. And I decided this because I had just seen the anime Tenku no Escaflone, also known as the Vision of Escaflone. Oh, you speak Japanese? Oh, it's just a squishy. And <laughs> um, I really love the story of it. In fact, even if you don't like anime, I really recommend that you watch this. I've had many roommates who hate anime watch <laughs> Escaflone, and they all loved it. And I love the story, and I wanted to tell stories like that. And so I figured I could either draw them comic book style or I could write them. And I could objectively tell that I was a terrible artist, but I could not objectively tell that I was also a terrible writer. Oh, same. 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 Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why Caitlin said, like, never assume that you know how to write a book because you don't. <laughs> no, you do not know. <laughs> so I was a terrible writer. I wrote a lot of um, bad books that I didn't finish. Like the very first one I started was Kaiku and the Ruby Necklace which has been lost in a 3 by 5 floppy somewhere in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. And how old were you when you wrote that? I was probably 13. Yeah. And I wrote a bunch of fan fiction. I have three fan fictions actually on fanfiction.net, one of which is 420,000 words long, and it's totally <laughs> a Mary Sue. And then plus, plus the other two I have, it's at least 500,000 words of fan fiction. Are you going to tell our dear listeners where they can find you on fanfiction.net? No. <laughs> Absolutely no. <laughs> You'll have to just look for it. I did change my bio on fanfiction.net to be like, hey, I'm a real writer now. Here's my website. <laughs> but that's it. Oh, so if they can find you, then they can they can actually find you. They'll know it's you because you yeah. put your website yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. They always say there's a saying that says your first million words are garbage. And my first million words were mostly fanfiction. So when I was 18... I started taking writing a little bit more seriously. I went to Brigham Young University on a creative writing scholarship, actually, that I found. I was sitting in history class, and they were just passing around a paper with scholarships on it, and I noticed one was a writing scholarship. I was taking creative writing in high school. I took it twice, actually. And so I had some stuff to send in, and I got the scholarship, which paid for everything for my first year, which, well, not housing, but it was fantastic, and I was very happy. And I was an English major because for some silly reason, I thought that you had to be an English major if you wanted to write books. Guess what? You don't have to be an English major to do literally anything because it's the dumbest major in the world. No, Charlie. Listen, nobody's going to be like, oh, I'm going to hire you to analyze all the books in my library and write essays on them. No, that doesn't happen. That's stupid. Okay, let me just tell you. There was a class I took. It was a one credit semester class that was literally, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it's what to do with an English major. They had to teach you what to do with an English major. And there was a book about what to do with an English major because nobody knows because it's stupid. So let me tell you something. If you guys want to write a book, you do not have to major in English. I would recommend either A, majoring and something that has to do with the kind of book you like to write. So if you want to write thrillers, maybe do criminology or something. Or if you want to write historicals, maybe major, I don't know, in history or anthropology. Or 
do something that's your next best thing. If you don't mind math, maybe be an accountant, you know, something that can make money. Because let me tell you, I was an editing minor, and that's literally the only reason I got a job after college. It's because of my minor, not because of my major. Don't be an English major. Yes, I majored in linguistics, which has nothing to do with anything, but I liked it. So <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to like teach English, I guess you have to major in English. <laughs> Don't you have but to major in teaching? Whenever teach people are English? like, oh, you're an English major. I'm like, yeah, I speak it really well. <laughs> well, so anyway, that's a long story right there. So um, I started taking it seriously once I got to college and I finished my first book when I was 19 years old. It was 169,000 words, and it read like a really bad JRPG video game because it was inspired by a JRPG video game. Has anyone heard of Tales of Symphonia? I basically wrote the novelization. Um, I never edited that one because I I knew it wasn't good, and I just moved on. I didn't learn how to write um, a proactive protagonist until my fourth book, but... Um, most importantly, I did finally get writing groups when I was in at BYU. I had a writing group through Quark and somebody had to tell me how to write kissing because I was writing a romance and I had had never been kissed before. Oh my gosh. Okay. What? Explain Quark real quick. Quark is BYU's, I assume it's still around. It's BYU's science fiction and fantasy club and they had a writing division So that was my first writing group. And then I got my second writing group through Brandon Sanderson's creative writing class. So for those of you who don't know, I think anyone who is a Sanderson fan knows this, even if they're not in Utah. But Brandon Sanderson teaches a creative writing class winter semester at BYU every year. It's kind of his way of paying back because that's where he got his master's degree. And I was super lucky. I got to take it my very last semester of college and he, he, so I got him to critique my stuff. And it's really funny because I remember in one of our critique sessions, he told me that I was right at the cusp that of being publishable, but getting over the fence was the hardest part. And he was right because it took me seven more books to get over it. But I finished my second book in that semester. It was called Circus Solaris. It was about a terrorist circus. Also not good. But... <laughs> Um, I got to send my first query letters because I had to for my final and I got my second writing group that way, which was a really good writing group for me. Anyway, where am I going? So uh, I had to get a real job because that's what essentially all authors have to do. (laughs) You either marry rich or you get a real job. (laughs) Or you marry poor and remain poor forever. (laughs) The end. Not forever. Oh, um, yes, yes, you, you should, this is something I forgot that I was going to say when you were talking about majors and what you should major in. Yeah, my advice would definitely just to be major in the job that you want to do and write on the side until you do it. Yeah. Until you get an agent. For those of you guys who watch Shark Tank and they're like, if you have a plan B, you're not committed. No, that's garbage. You have to have a plan B and you have to write out that plan B for as long as you can because- Like most authors, the majority of authors make less than $1,000 a year. Yes, which we will go into more in the next episode of this podcast. Yes, we will. So So if you want to know, if you want to know how your mom makes money at this, you'll have to listen to that one too. Yeah. So essentially I was in the query trenches for a while. um, And I 
finally got an agent who also happens to be Marlene Stringer. Hint, that's how we know each other. <laughs> and I cold queried her with uh, the book The Paper Magician, which ended up being my debut novel. And again, she moved super fast. I sold to Amazon Publishing within a couple months. I think it was so fast after signing with her. And um, just to put this caveat in there, a lot of people ask me for advice with indie publishing. I actually am not an indie author, despite the fact that I am with Amazon Publishing. Amazon Publishing is Amazon's traditional branch of publishing. I am with specifically 47 North, which is their speculative fiction uh, publisher. Yeah. So I sold to them. Um, and my book came out on Kindle First Reads, which was uh, amazing because I was a nobody. And all of a sudden, a ton of people found out who I was. And I ended up publishing the full trilogy with them. And I got to hit the Wall Street Wall Street Journal bestseller list as Caitlin foreshadowed. Which Yay! Was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have fifteen books out now. You don't even know how many books you have I don't out. Even, which I forget. Should tell you all how many books I Charlie think, has out. No, I think Spellmaker, which is my next book, comes out March 9th, is my fifteenth. Mm-hmm. I think so. And all of them are through Forty Seven North, except for Veins of Gold, which is through an indie press. Which means it's basically indie published, but I didn't have to do the work. <laughs> so again, I'm not how, good for advice. <laughs> this is how we like it. Yes. Props to indie authors. They work so hard. <laughs> yes. And actually, you know, and just to say, like, I actually am planning on being a hybrid author soon. I'm planning on doing some self-publishing as well. So, yeah, that's the way to go, man. Indeed. Here I am. Here I am today. Here you are. <laughs> Which you guys can see. Charlie makes a very specific thing. She does a very specific thing when she's when she just puts <laughs> her hand hands gesture. under her chin. You no, know, yeah. I got that from one of the roommates who I showed us Kaflona too. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so that's how we got published. Something we do want to say is there isn't one way to get published. So we're both traditionally published authors. Yes. And even in traditional publishing, there's so many ways to do it. This is just the way that we did it. Um, we both cold queried. If I w- went to more writing conferences, I went to conferences. I went to conferences like Life, the Universe, and Everything, for example. Mm-hmm. But I never went to conferences that had agents or that had querying. And so I never got to pitch an agent or do anything like that. And if I had to restart now, totally would be what I would be signing up for. Because that's a really great way to get a literary agent. We talk about agents a lot because most traditional publishers will not read your book without representation. I don't know of any traditional publishers who would. I think well, we small can presses say. will. Oh yeah, that's true. Small presses will. Small presses will. Mm-hmm. But any, if you want to go in the big five, what, I'm trying to name them, but I know I'll fail. You gotta look it up. Yes, I am. Okay, so the official list of big five is HarperCollins, Simon and Schuster, Macmillan, Hachette, and Penguin Random House. So Scholastic's not on there? No. Scholastic oh. is a children's publisher. So, so but go. I mean, Simon & Schuster is for sale right now and uh, Penguin Random Hot House is names. trying to buy them. So we'll see how oh, that are goes. They? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Oh, there yeah. You know. A lot of people are concerned about it. Mm-hmm. So it's funny another. that Amazon isn't considered one just because between their traditional branch and then all the indie authors who publish on Amazon, you'd think that they would be considered a, a giant publisher. Well, I think because Amazon, because non-traditional, 
Yeah, because the the indie publishers are technically their own publishers, right? I mean, Amazon's technically just yeah, They're the, just the like, platform. The platform, yeah. yeah. So otherwise, Amazon might be the biggest publisher all time. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of a taste of what we want to get into with you guys. We want to give you some behind the scenes information. We want to help you in the way that my the writer friends that I made from going to writing conferences ended up helping me. They are, I would say, the entire reason that I am published is because they knew what was going on and they were kind enough to share that information that they knew with me. So, yeah. We're going to have an episode on that, too. If you need to find a critique partner or a writing group, we are going to talk about that. Yeah. Look for that in a couple of episodes, probably. So, thanks so much for listening, you guys. Um, If you have questions, we have an email address. <laughs> it is yourmomwritesbooks at gmail.com. And we're going to have some Q&A episodes. So if you guys have questions about publishing or the writing process or craft or any of those things, we are going to get into them eventually. But yeah, we're going to do some Q&A episodes. So feel free to send those in. I am Caitlin McFarland. You can find me on Facebook at Caitlin McFarland Author. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram account is is at words and geekery and uh, you'll see a lot of dungeons and dragons dice bags <laughs> when you go there because i also have an etsy shop where i make those so that's where you'll find me what about you charlie and i am charlie n holmberg and you can find me online at charlie i am also on twitter facebook and especially instagram at cn holmberg so if you guys enjoyed this, rate, review, and subscribe. We should have three episodes dropping at once for this first day of podcast celebration. If you're real lonely, listen to all three. Thank you so much, you guys. Did you want to end this one with a pun? Wear your journeys to the pub and have your own publishing journey. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.